Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Law enforcement agencies, including the FBI, are responding to a shooting at a high school in Perry, Iowa, where officials say at least one victim has been killed and two more injured. FBI, ATF, and medical staff are on site, and a city official tells ABC News City Hall is on lockdown as a precaution. Officials are set to hold a press conference shortly. We will bring that to you live as it happens right now. I want to- it's as much as we know at the moment about this shooting that took place at a school in Iowa, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Uh, uh, Perry High Schools is the name of uh, the area. Uh, you have the confirmation of multiple victims, but you don't have much more than that. And as always, anytime there's any level of breaking news, what is first described is not necessarily what the story is. These things do develop. More information comes out. We're going to bring it to you. They're expecting to have a news conference. Of course, Iowa would be central time. Uh, sometime uh, th- this afternoon, I think it's going to take place after uh, we're here. But we'll have more updates. This is, of course, because happening in Iowa. This is going to be a pretty big part of the conversation, one would assume. When the debate takes place... On January 10th, a debate that only involves Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Chris Christie's not in the debate. Vivek Ramaswamy's being kept out of the debate, so he said, all right, CNN, you kiss off, I'll do my own thing. Trump is going to be counter-programming with a town hall on Fox. I will get into this. I just wanted to share this because it, it was breaking. The top story, of course, today is the Jeffrey Epstein story. As we have stated time and time and time again, I don't care who is associated with Jeffrey Epstein, Republican or Democrat. I don't care if you like them. I don't care if you voted for them or want to vote for them. If you were involved with underage girls, you go to jail. And anybody who thinks that you shouldn't go to jail is the enemy. Just for the sake of clarity. The documents that were unleashed in these court filings show a tremendous number of people that you know being a part of Jeffrey Epstein's orbit. Now, Epstein had an orbit for a reason, a lot of money. Whether he earned it, whether he lied his way to it, I assume that he lied his way to it. Um... He was also a giver to Harvard and places like that. And so he hung around with a very well-to-do, well-heeled sort, as the kids would say. This includes former President Bill Clinton. This includes Donald Trump. There are pictures of him and Donald Trump at parties. 
my argument has always been Trump could have gotten anybody he wanted any time he wanted. The idea that he's going for underage doesn't seem to fit his M.O. I have said that just for the sake of clarity. I don't change my words. I have nothing that shows me, even within the documents, <coughs> proof, forgive me, proof of the activity. Being named as somebody who knew Epstein or hung around with Epstein is different than whether or not you were on the island or on the plane with Epstein and had sex with an underage girl. It is possible to have known the man and actually have had dinner with the man and have no other connection to his sickness and to his predilection, to his abuse of children. That much it must be stated as fact. But now the question is, who was on the island? Who was there? Well, we know Michael Jackson was there. We or or at least associated with Epstein. That's the the way I should say it. Just for the sake of not getting sued, magician David Copperfield, Bill Clinton, as I discussed, Prince Andrew. All of these people were connected. Some people have reported, oh man, the, the 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 list of people doesn't really tell us much. The list of people now allows us to ask the questions. For anybody on the left who doesn't think Bill Clinton can be asked questions, kiss off. Do you have any idea how much you suck as a human being if you don't think Bill Clinton should be asked questions? Because I think that Donald Trump should be asked questions, and a whole lot of them. They all need to get asked. The idea that in these documents someone stated that Bill Clinton liked young girls, he liked them young, referring to girls. Oh, okay. Glenn Dubin, as is reported, Dubin is a donor to who? Vivek Ramaswamy. That's a that's 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 going to be a problem. I'm not saying Ramaswamy is guilty of anything with with uh, with Jeffrey Epstein. I'm saying it's going to be an issue. These are all people on this list. There is a whole thing about Stephen Hawking being on the list. Can you double-check that, Producer Carl? Carl's in for Jason today. That Stephen Hawking, because I couldn't figure out whether it was some kind of, like, weirdo prank thing. Someone just trying to be uh, silly. I mean, I don't even understand how that would work. But you're like, how in the world does Stephen Hawking get associated with Jeffrey Epstein? By the way, yeah, I, I, I wasn't wrong. There's a series of claims that Stephen Hawking, the theoretical physicist, you, 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 you know the name, you've seen him in his wheelchair. He has since passed away. He was diagnosed with ALS at the age of 20. He died at 76. Um, 
involving some very, very strange activity, including an allegation, and I kid you not, this is is one of the claims that he participated in an underage, and this is how it's reported, in an underage orgy. I don't even know how it's possible, never mind how disgusted I am by the thing. The story here, the thing that matters here, is that it was known that this was happening. Now, are we going to be engaged in a society that wants to protect certain people? We're going to get into the story of Claudine Gay, the former president of Harvard. We're going to get into this fraud and the response to the fraud and discuss the idea of whether or not she should be a university president, whether or not she should be protected. You wouldn't be protected. So are we actually going to say, look, money means you get to do special things. Look, this is this might cause too much pain for too many people in too many important positions, so we're going to let this go. But if you happen to traverse a questionable website, you lose your job. If you say the wrong thing in public, you lose your job. We're going to let this go. The protection that they're putting out for Claudine Gay, she's a plagiarist, but for noticing you're a racist. That's their argument. What's the argument here? That somehow Bill Clinton should be left alone? I don't give a damn about Bill Clinton. Don't care about him. Don't care about his terrible wife. Don't care about his daughter. Although, by the way, everything I've heard personally about uh, Chelsea Clinton is just absolutely lovely. But I don't care about her. But I'm not blaming them for what he's done. What did he do? What did Prince Andrew do? You don't get protected by being the brother of the king. Jail is for you too. That's the story here. We're going to find out this list as we've seen it of all of these people associated with a known child trafficker, child molester. Him and Jelaine Maxwell and others. Is anyone going to go to jail? And how do we feel about a society where, okay, this happened and no one goes to jail? Not, only Jelaine Maxwell. Okay, that's the only one. That's madness. So this is what I'm watching. This is what I'm paying attention to. As this story continues to unfold. And as we're also told, we only have the basics now. We only know some things at the moment. We don't have full stories. We don't have complete details. I only hope they all come out. And I only hope people go to jail who need to go to jail. Big name, little name, whether or not they're running for office Anybody involved with the abuse of of young girls, 
jail. Nothing but jail. Oh, um, maybe more things than jail. But at the very least, jail. This is Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. He should come and spend a couple of days like we have to be with the people here on the ground who are fighting this war on the border. That's effectively what it is. We have so many people. Jake, 7 million people have come into the country since Biden uh, walked into the Oval Office. And that's a, a low estimate. Most people believe it may be twice that high. We have nearly 2 million gotaways that we know about, not to mention those who evaded capture. Over 300 uh, known terrorists apprehended at the border trying to come in. We don't know how many evaded uh, capture and, and uh, detection. They're in the country, potentially setting up terrorist cells everywhere. Fentanyl is the number one cause of death for Americans aged 18 to 49, flowing over the border like an open sewer. Human trafficking is the number one business of the cartels here. Estimated, we were told today, Jake, one of the local sheriffs here, said that they believe that the cartels are making $32 million a week on trafficking human beings into the U.S. That's over $1.5 billion a year transnational criminal organizations and the Biden administration seems to care nothing about it remember they could they could issue executive orders and fix this overnight you could uh, restate reinstate the remain in Mexico policy you could stop the catch and release policy that the Biden administration right. assists upon you could do some some very important things but they refuse to do it now everything the speaker Mike Johnson just said there is true he was at the border. He took a codel with him. One of those people is Representative Aaron Hounchin of the 9th District of Indiana. I had a chance to speak with her. I'll share that with you coming up in a little bit. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Become a supporter. Get the videos. Get everything that we're doing over there. So it's Mike Johnson, the speaker, speaking to um, uh, Jake Tapper. And I love that CNN refers to him as Representative Mike Johnson, House Speaker. Isn't it Speaker Mike? Did they ever refer to Nancy Pelosi as representative? I, maybe I missed it. May, I, it's possible. It's possible I missed it as they described it. Just caught me. But check out how Jake Tapper responds here. So just, just one note on the terrorist thing. There aren't hundreds of known terrorists getting into the country. There are people uh, whose uh, identity have been flagged on a certain database. I just don't want people out there thinking that, you know, 200 members of Hamas have flown into the into the country and we don't even know about it. It's a, it's a hey, little bit more hey, complicated. Jake, I'm hey, not, Jake. I'm it, not. You are. You are, Jake. You have no idea who's gotten into the country. Why in the world would you come close to saying this? I'm not saying that it's not serious. I'm just saying these aren't necessarily terrorists. They're on the terror watch list. If they're not necessarily terrorists, what are they necessarily? Yogurt shop employees? What kind of statement is this? What is the constant desire to, to, to run cover? This isn't about, hey, let's make sure we have clarity. This is pseudo-intellectual claptrap here from Jake Tapper. Gross stuff, but it's never-ending. 
It's never ending the cover that comes when it's not necessary. This was CBS talking to Alejandro Mayorkas, at least a little pushback. Mr. Secretary, I mean, yes. respectfully, yes, there is a global migration crisis, but the president of the United States also, as a candidate, said, come, come to the U.S. if you want to claim asylum, restore the dignity of that process. That was his position. And so people are coming. The numbers have gone up tremendously, and nothing in the White House's plan addresses what Republicans are saying is so important. Catch and release, a phrase you hear. What that means is people come across the border, they claim asylum, and then they're allowed to stay in this country for years while they wait for that process to play out. Years and years and years. People know that's the game. They know the bar for asylum is low. The claim bar is low. And so they come. Are you doing anything? Are you willing to do anything to stop the flow in that way? That is a fantastic question. I don't know the dude's name. Dokopil? D-O-K-O-U-P-I-L. I don't... I, I, I do not know... His name. But man, ain't that the question? You know it when you hear it. And you're so, you're like, okay, solid. Tony Dokopol with uh, CBS News. The question's about catch and release. Are you going to do something about this? What does Secretary Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, have to say? Allow me to uh, finish my answer. On the first day in office, President Biden sent a legislative proposal to Congress to fix what everyone agrees is a broken immigration system. I have dealt with the immigration system first as a prosecutor in the 1990s and then as an administrator beginning in 2009. And the years-long process that you describe has been a problem in the immigration system ever since I've worked in it. And everyone agrees that the system is broken. And what we are doing is enforcing our laws. We are enforcing Mr. our Secretary. laws, the criminal laws, our immigration laws, and that includes our asylum laws. And when people come to the United States at the border, they are placed in immigration enforcement proceedings. And those proceedings take many years because our system is broken and it is also underfunded. We need Congress Mr. to Secretary. fix the system and we need the resources to administer it. Undoubtedly, the system is broken and undoubtedly Congress has not done enough. But for the sake of clarity, you could be engaging those Trump-era policies. Catch and release is failure. Millions of people in the United States who shouldn't be. Lying about asylum claims, which should immediately get you thrown out, and any non-governmental organization helping people claim asylum, they should be charged with treason. I absolutely favor shutting down the border until the new policies get implemented, which includes technology, which includes putting an end to catch and release, which includes remain in Mexico, which includes punishment for Mexico for failing to be a good neighbor, and which includes force at the border. Adult single men being allowed in the United States? No. Goodbye. Don't care where you go. We're not even going to fly you home. But Lord is going to be the one who has to help you if you try and cross into our country illegally.
the technology piece has to happen. Then you need to talk about the immigration reform piece because we do, on a labor uh, subject, absolutely need people. No doubt. This can be done. So he's right. Congress needs to do more. But we should be clear. The Biden administration could act in unilateral ways because the border and immigration is under the purview of the president. You're not. And it is clear to all of us that that is purposeful. It's clear. It's obvious. You, it's it's, it's uh, incompetence or it's purposeful, right? I know where my vote is. Meanwhile... Claudine Gay was given the job as president of Harvard University, not because she was competent. And now that she's no longer president, was allowed to resign. Why are people defending her? And the answer is, it's exactly what you think. I'm Tony Katz. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Discuss people supporting Hamas who scream for ceasefires like Elizabeth Warren, the senator from Massachusetts, who writes Netanyahu and his right wing cabinet have created a humanitarian catastrophe, killing thousands of Palestinian civilians. Israel needs leadership that will bring the hostages home, not wage months of war. Stop bombing Gaza, resume the ceasefire, work toward a permanent peace. The peace will come when Hamas is destroyed. And if you were any kind of leader whatsoever, Senator Warren, you absolute fool, you'd be in favor of destroying Hamas. The same Hamas that has killed American citizens, and you sit on your fat butt doing nothing! Don't talk to me about decency, child. Ceasefires give Hamas the opportunity to reload. I don't want them to have the opportunity to reload. I want them gone so peace can actually happen. But while Hamas is there, there will be no peace. Hamas needs to be destroyed, and I only hope Israel does it. Tony, don't you care about the poor, innocent Gazans? Their life will be better when Hamas is gone. War is hell. Hamas started the fight. I'm only hoping Israel ends the fight. And yes, People are going to die in the crossfire. Now what? Now what? What perfection are you searching for? Any ceasefire means Hamas gets another opportunity to kill another thousand Jews. Why are you okay with this? Another thousand plus Israelis, including non-Jews. Why are you okay with this? Why do you side with terrorists? This is my argument. And I make it quite clearly. So to the people on on the Twitter uh, who are, are like, don't you feel at all sympathetic to the average Palestinian in Gaza? Not to the point where I would support Hamas like Senator Warren does. And they're like, well, she doesn't mention Hamas. With, with all due respect, maybe you need to read her statement. Anything that involves a ceasefire is support for Hamas. Well, why did Israel engage the ceasefire to begin with? I think they were wrong.
But they're so desperate to get their people back that they were willing to try anything. You'll note that it didn't work. I mean, they got people back, but people have died uh, while being captured by Hamas. You then had attacks on Jerusalem where people were killed. You then had more rocket attacks by Hamas. Then you had, over the past couple of weeks, a series of attacks by Hezbollah from the north. They're now engaged in a tactical retreat trying to signal that they don't want an all-out war, as if somehow they get to decide this. Now, I'm not so sure Israel has everything it takes to engage in two fronts, really a third if you could, if you count what's going on with the Houthi rebels uh, there in, in the seas, whether it be in, in the Red Sea or in the Gulf. Right now, we're just allowing them to take oil tankers and other ships. That's what the United States is allowing. No longer the free and navigable seas. It's, you could sail a boat unless the Houthi rebels, supported by Iran, don't want you to. In which case, oh well. Everything will be better when Hamas is destroyed. And by the way, everything would be better if the Ayatollah was gone, too. It would be better. Israel's not your problem. Israel's not the enemy. And if you ask me, I support Israel. Am I a Zionist? Absolutely I am. Without any level of equivocation. Israel has the right to exist. Israel has the right to defend itself. And if you believe Hamas has the right to exist and defend itself, okay, let's see who wins. But once you get to the point where you think Hamas is some kind of good guy and engaged in a good, fine fight, let them fight it out and let's see who wins. If you tell me that's not fair because Israel has this and Israel has that, it's not my fault that Israel builds hospitals and builds systems that involve laser guidance while Hamas tries to figure out how to kill another five people and rips the water pipes out of the ground because they make good rocket launchers. It's not my fault that the people of Israel understand what sanitary is and the people of Gaza have Hamas that don't care about sanitary anything. Not my problem. Maybe the problem is you're not a grown-up. Maybe the problem is you're such an unbelievable child, like Senator Elizabeth Warren. You actually think you can have peace with people who want to kill you. Do you know how ridiculous you sound? Do you know? Not you See, I'm saying you, but I don't mean you. Do they know what kind of schmucks they are? You're ridiculous. No peace is possible until Hamas is destroyed. What you should be in favor of is Hamas surrendering, every single one of them surrendering to the Israeli Defense Forces. Then this would be over. And don't you want it to be over? I want it to be over. But you don't push for the things that will end it. You push for the ending of Israel. And for that, kiss off. Glad we had this conversation. Now let's get into Claudine Gay, the former president of Harvard University who gets to keep her $900,000 a year salary. She gets to keep it. She was allowed to resign. She wasn't fired. The board of cowards over there at Harvard can't fire the DEI hire, which is, of course, what she was. Claudine Gay was not given the job as president of Harvard because of her intellectual heft. 
She was given the job at Harvard because she matched a series of criteria that the Harvard board found important and intellectual heft didn't matter. We know that she doesn't have the intellectual heft now. We didn't pay any attention to it then. Until she spoke in front of Congress, I had absolutely no idea who the president of Harvard was. I didn't know they had uh, placed a, a black woman as president, that she was the first black woman ever as president of Harvard. I had no idea. Harvard is not something that I do in my daily, and I don't think you do either. But when we learned she was a plagiarist, we said, oh, dang. First, we learned that she's okay with Jew hate on on the Harvard campus, and she's not going to go after anybody for screaming for genocide. She's not going to engage in any kind of leadership. She is filled with bigotry. She's allowed to be filled with bigotry. Your problem is you send your kid to Harvard, and for these donors, your problem is you give your money to Harvard. A lot of talk about this guy, Bill Ackman, and uh, how he's been pressuring Harvard and speaking about Harvard. How about the fact that you knew Harvard was garbage and you still gave your money there? I think you do need to take a look in a mirror, sir. I appreciate what you're doing, but are you thinking of giving the money in the future? Are you nuts? Give those people, because it's not just Claudine Gay, it's every professor, it's the administrators. shouldn't say every professor. It's far too many professors and the administrators. It's baked into the cake, kitten. You don't give them money. They don't learn. They're proud of their bigotry. And you say, why, why, why is that? Well, their bigotry comes from a, a place of certainly Marxism. Uh, and uh, certainly something that DEI absolutely inculcates and, 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 and tries to share out there, that everything can re- be reduced to the idea of oppressed and oppressor. White people are oppressors, black people are oppressed. What a disgusting thing to say to a black student. You're oppressed. You don't even know you're oppressed. Well, how am I being oppressed? Well, that's where the intersectionality comes in. You have to look for all the ways you're being oppressed. It's happening every single way and every single day. You just have to go out there and find it. So now you've got people who spend their entire lives every day waking up. They don't just enjoy a nice bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios, which is an excellent cereal, by the way, and say, all right, how do we have fun today? Before they even have the Honey Nut Cheerios, they're trying to figure out how the Honey Nut Cheerios are exploiting them. And on the flip side, the people who wake up every day and have the Honey Nut Cheerios and try to figure out how they are exploiting the Honey Nut Cheerios. Oppressed oppressor. You teach people to hate themselves, you teach people uh, that they're hated. I mean, that's, that's a disgusting way to be, uh, for, for, for sure. So when we discuss the idea that Claudine Gay was a DEI hire, I, I don't think that this is a questionable statement. But Harvard is allowed to hire this way. As I have stated, DEI is pure, raw, unadulterated, rank bigotry. And anybody who is a supporter of it is, of course, fine with this bigotry. DEI should be kicked out of every university system and every business everywhere. Only fools still think DEI brings a value. We should note that my beloved Indiana has on the state level a DEI office. The governor, Eric Holcomb, clearly not understanding what he did and somehow still allowing it. Uh, Pretty sad stuff. But let's get back to Claudine Gay. Claudine Gay engaged 
in not one act of plagiarism, but repeated acts of plagiarism, dozens of acts of plagiarism where she stole other people's work. Even if you don't agree that DEI is disgusting, and even if you don't agree that Claudine Gay was fine with calls for genocide on the campus of Harvard, would not stand up to those students because she agrees with them, and that's bigotry. You must at least, at the very least, be opposed to the idea that an academic could be so incredibly guilty of acts of plagiarism. But no. No, that's not a big deal. As a matter of fact, as the Associated Press writes, Harvard president's resignation highlights new conservative weapon against colleges, plagiarism. Now, wait a second. Now, uh, uh, allow me. It's a conservative weapon? She's a fraud! Claudine Gay is a Rod, what's wrong with you people? You're a phony. Hey, this guy's a great big phony. She stole other people's work. That's not a conservative weapon. The Associated Press is defending plagiarism and then going after the people who pointed out the plagiarism. As we have seen over the weekend, or over the past couple days, I should say, I forget that it's, it's Thursday and I was the guy who was on vacation for a couple days. Look at what the right wing is doing. Look at what the terrible Christopher Rufo is doing. Look at this. Look at that. Look at what the Washington Free Beacon has reported. Oh, you mean journalists doing journalism. You are supporting a plagiarist by saying that journalism is the problem? If you ever wanted to know how absolutely diseased progressivism is. Here you are. Progressives are fine with theft. Now, keep that in your head because that's a little bit of foreshadowing. We're going to get back to that. They will defend the thief and they will defend the theft. Based on what grounds? Well, the DEI grounds will defend it based on the color of skin. You're only doing this because she's black. It was somebody who, who uh, put out, well, we should hold all college presidents uh, uh, to, to the standard and make sure none of them plagiarized, especially those right-wing ac- academics. First of all, what right-wing academics are you talking about? We'd kill to have some more right-wing academics out there. That'd be fantastic. I'd like one or two of them to be the new president of Harvard. You want real diversity? Give me a conservative in charge. But the defense of, 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 of plagiarism, as a, it's a conservative weapon. She stole, she stole people's work. And then as president threw people out of the university for engaging in plagiarism. The Associated Press, along with all of uh, her DEI acolytes defending her and defending plagiarism. When she resigned, Christopher Rufo, and you know his work from uh, the Manhattan Institute, and City Journal 
put out a tweet that read, scalped Harvard President Claudine Gay resigns. The Associated Press writes Christopher Rufo, a conservative activist who helped orchestrate the effort, celebrated her departure as a win in his campaign against elite institutions of higher education. On X, formerly Twitter, he wrote scalped as if gay was a trophy of violence, invoking a gruesome practice taken up by white colonists who sought to eradicate Native Americans. Now, wait a second. I'm no expert. But scalping wasn't the practice of the white colonists. It was the practice of the Native Americans. But the Associated Press wants you to know that it's those evil white people that were involved in the scalping. Now, you don't have to question whether or not it is. It is. The question is, what do you do about it? The left will say anything, bend anything, and twist anything to protect their own. Because the ideology comes first. I have long said, and you guys may have never heard me say it. It's been a while. But when I first started in radio, this was a daily. The political left hates you for who you are and what you believe. But most importantly, they hate you for not thinking like they do. That is the sin. That you do not think like they do. When you think like they do, they will provide cover for anything. They'll erase anything. She's a plagiarist who gets to keep her job and a $900,000 a year salary. You wouldn't get this deal. She stole. It's totally fine. You're just upset that she's black. You just don't like a black woman in charge. Scalped. Well, that's what white people did. Total rewrites of history. And they're proud of themselves. Which brings us back to being okay with theft. Because once you see this, and you see how okay the political left is with theft, with the theft of other people's ideas and words, you have to ask yourself, what else are they okay with stealing? And for the people who are screaming elections, they're the ones who proved it. All I did was notice. This is Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Dow is up 114, the NASDAQ down 25. I mean, the markets are just getting started for the year. Wait, what is this? NCAA and ESPN, eight-year, $920 million media rights deal. It's going to run from 2024 through 2032. Triple the value of the current deal. Oh, dang. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Live from the heartland, 
and the crossroads of America. It's Tony Katz today. What was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? I'm sorry? I'm not running for president. I want to see your thing on the cause of the Civil War. This has been spoken about repeatedly, but I don't think accurately. This question asked to Ambassador Haley on the campaign trail to where she, well, got it terribly, terribly wrong. Embarrassingly wrong. Even her conversation there in that first part about government isn't isn't uh, even close to being a level of uh, of accurate. At the first, it might be accurate as you dig in, but you're not going to talk about slavery? And yes, she has taken a lot of heat for this, but she wants you to know that the only people talking about this are the media. So, yes, we know the Civil War was about slavery. That's always the case. And I'll remind you that I was the southern governor that brought down the Confederate flag after we had a horrific shooting of nine African-Americans that were killed in a church. But, Harris, really, the media is the only one that has talked about this issue. No, that's actually not true. Not one person on the ground in Iowa, not one person on the ground in New Hampshire or Iowa are talking about it. I've done multiple town halls. With all due respect to the ambassador... I don't think that's true, and I think Harris Faulkner is correct. That's not the case. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number. 833-468-8669. If that commentary from Nikki Haley has changed your mind on Nikki Haley, I'd love to to, to hear that. Maybe it didn't change your mind at all. I'd love to hear that as well. I think it exposes a problem. And when I first uh, talked about this, I put out a video over at TonyCats.com. Uh, subscribers were able to see it, and I greatly appreciate the, the support there. Um, I don't know if I was the first person to say it, but I, let's say I was close. And I was not surprised to see Ron DeSantis engage this conversation as well we're going to do a debate and and we're going to be able to have a sharp contrast in our visions and i think she's had very difficult uh time recently because her uh she had been pumped up by liberal media which i understand she's the liberal candidate running uh and now she's come under scrutiny and she's not been able to handle basic questions that people are asking she's not been able to defend her record as governor of south carolina where she was the number one governor 
of bringing in Chinese Communist Party investment into her state. In Florida, I banned China from buying land in Florida. I kicked them out of our universities. So it's just a contrast in visions, contrast in records, and clearly uh, Republican voters are going to pursue, uh, are going to uh, prefer my vision to hers. Now, this is talking about the debate that he's going to have with her. They're the only two in the next debate, which will take place, I think, on January 10th. But he said she's been having trouble not being able to handle basic questions that people are asking. This is what I talked about the other day in in a a video at TonyCatch.com. Nikki Haley has a problem. And I get that people want to talk about her surging, and then I'll get into where we are with some of this in the in these debates uh, uh, coming up. But this is the second time. The first time was when Vivek Ramaswamy said, name three provinces in Ukraine. You want to send our kids there. You want to engage war there. You want to give them all our money. You can't even name three provinces in, in, in Ukraine. Right? That's a line that you would expect in a debate. Certainly, if you've had any experience in debates, you would expect something like that would, 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 would come. And by the way, right now, the big conversation about Ukraine is, how are we going to negotiate a settlement? You mean Ukraine's going to have to give up the Donbass? They're going to have to give up Donetsk and Luhansk uh, in order for there to be peace? Because this is a stalemate. This is World War I, trench warfare. Everybody dug in. They're going to grab five feet. Now the other side's going to grab five feet. That's what you've got. And so now a conversation that would have been heresy eight months ago is now the conversation happening amongst even the Biden White House. That's a lot like the people who said, I'm not so sure about this vaccine thing. Oh, well, then you're not allowed to speak on social media. And now... Questioning vaccines is just fine. Good Lord. Let people ask their questions. Let people make their statements. Instead of going after them, instead of trying to silence them, instead of being opposed to people speaking out, let them speak. But I want to get back to Nikki Haley. And what happens when Nikki Haley is asked a question? Because when she was asked the Ukraine question, she froze. She just stared straight ahead. She wasn't going to participate. She wasn't going to answer any uh, of his questions. She clearly doesn't like Vivek Ramaswamy. And later on in the debate, she actually did, I think, mention the areas or some areas. It kind of got brushed to the side. She was asked the question, and she had no response. She gave no response. Now, go back to this conversation, this question about slavery. What was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run. Now, if you go back and time that with me, go back, let's go back, from the moment the question is asked till an answer is given. And you should be clear that she looks at the guy, she turns around and she takes three steps in the other direction, then turns around and takes a breath. 
What was the cause of the United States Civil War? One, two, three, four, five. Well, don't six, come with an easy question. Seven, I mean, I think the cause eight. of the Civil War was basically. Well, don't come with an easy question was also some filler. Eight seconds. Now you say to me, Tony, Tony, you're being a little too critical here. No, I don't think I am. Nikki Haley has a problem answering questions. Nikki Haley freezes. This is an issue. There um, was a vice presidential debate that took place some years ago that involved Admiral Stockdale. And Admiral Stockdale, during uh, the debate, this was in 1992, started, when when he was uh, called upon to introduce himself in the debate, it, it, it's it's famous. If, if you've never heard it, it it's, it's okay. He uh, started with, who am I and why am I here? Because he knew people didn't know him. He he was fully aware that people didn't know who he was. Who am I? Why am I here? (laughs) I'm not a politician. Everybody knows that. So don't expect me to use the language of the Washington Insider. 37 years in the Navy and only one of them up there in Washington. Stockdale, there. I, I think it was it was uh, Dan Quayle and 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 Al Gore. Who Sorry, am I? It was Dan Quayle and Al Gore, right? Um, Admiral Stockdale was a POW in Vietnam and was tortured in ways that are kind of indescribable. And because of that, he had a very hard time finding comfort as the stories are are relayed. Um, and so in that debate, he was kind of walking around, kind of moving around. Because standing in one place wasn't something he could really do. And American press called him a doddering old fool. He wasn't. I believe it was one of his children who used to describe the fact that if you asked uh, our, our father a question, Admiral Stockdale a question, He wouldn't always give you an answer right away. He would think about it. He would ponder. He would would work it through. But when he did answer you, it was the right answer. There is a place for that person. And and actually, I think we'd all benefit from taking more time uh, to to, uh, come up with the answer as opposed to having the answer on the fly and being glib. But it is undoubtedly true when we look at the President of the United States, we want somebody who can move with speed, who can give an answer, who can not only uh, engage a conversation on near any topic, but can also engage a level of proficiency. Now, if the question had been about cloud computing, I'm fine with Nikki Haley not having the answer. Because people can answer a question well about cloud computing, like, for example, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau did of Canada. Well, that's great. 
He's also a guy who went after truckers. He's also a guy who wants to ensure tampons are in the men's room. He's also a guy who won't protect women in sports. And he's a guy who's been in blackface, I believe, twice. So, you know, who gives a good holy damn about his cloud computing answer? This wasn't about cloud computing. This was about the Civil War. And Nikki Haley froze. Why? Well, this is where I get into it differently than other people. She froze because Nikki Haley is not looking to answer the question. I believe in those moments where she finds herself unsure of herself, she's searching for the answer that you want to hear, that I want to hear. That's a very, very politician move. And it's everything in this phase of America we don't want. We want an answer. Not the answer you think we want to hear. We want the answer. Civil War was about slavery. The Civil War was about secession. Why? Because the southern states wanted to continue the act of slavery, which is, of course, barbaric. Was the Union to be destroyed over slavery? So there is no question that slavery is the key factor within the Civil War and the secession conversation comes from whether or not states have the right to break away from the Union in order to continue to engage this barbaric practice. I have run into people before in my life Smart people, people I respect tremendously, who said, why not? Let Why not? They, they should have been allowed to leave. They should have been allowed to depart. Certainly not the way Lincoln saw it. And Lincoln's own views changed and, and maneuvered. Because if you had asked him before, he would have said, whatever it takes, because he did say, I, there were letters, whatever it takes to save the Union. Then later came to, this practice must end, thus the Emancipation Proclamation, etc., so there's a lot to the answer. There's a lot of detail that can be engaged. Slavery's the answer. Even if you think that's dumbing it down, slavery is the answer. And she didn't have it. And not only did she not have it, she engages a response that is... Go through it again. Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? Why are you asking the question back? You're asking it back because you need more time. You don't understand them, and you're not sure how you want to answer the question because you're not sure how the question has to be answered. So you're trying to get more input so you can then provide a proper output in your view. That's really bad. That's a real issue. And if she's right that people aren't talking about this, that's a real issue, too, because I think everybody should be talking about this. She cannot bring an answer because she cannot figure out the right answer for the room. And she is not assured enough in herself 
to answer the question. I think that's a problem. Just like I think it's a problem with Joe Biden that he needs his wife near him to answer questions or needs some staffer near him to answer questions or keep questions from being asked because he's not okay and he can't answer the questions. I would have a hard time believing that this back and forth didn't hurt her. And that as we head to the debate with her and DeSantis, that this isn't something the DeSantis team isn't going to exploit. I think they got to do it sparingly. They got to do it uh, uh, surgically. But this can be exploited. I don't think Nikki Haley is a dumb woman. Not at all. Not at all. I just think she doesn't know how to answer the question sometimes because she doesn't know what it is the people want to hear. And that's a problem because she's worried about what we want to hear as opposed to remembering that we want to hear what she has to say. I'm Tony Katz. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. What is the balance of activating a force for change, but also trying to permeate that patriarchy, that power structure? And is that a part of the calculation of your art as well? And and what's been the reaction to that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I like to make men uncomfortable. I enjoy (laughs) making men uncomfortable. <laughs> not you, just just not, you. Not know, you. Not you. Point taken. Point taken. <laughs> but um, you know, it is important to be able to look into the eyes of a man and say, I am here and recognize that and recognize that I am working to bring something that makes you uncomfortable and it should make you uncomfortable because you need to change your attitude. And it's only when you're uncomfortable, when you're shifty, when you have to have difficult conversations that you will perhaps look at yourself in the mirror and not like the reflection. You don't know me. Why in the world would you want to make me uncomfortable? You don't know me. That, by the way, is the director of the new Star Wars film. And she wants to make you uncomfortable. That's, well, if if you're a man. Because you somehow need it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. That is very weird. But once again, Disney is going to absolutely ruin itself. This is the woman who directed Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel is terrible. I I admittedly only watched one episode with my kid, and we're like, this is awful. Awful. You just don't appreciate a strong female director. I don't even know. I don't even know what to do with that kind of nonsense. What issue would I have with strong female directors? But it should be about the movie, right? It's Star Wars. 
You want to make 14-year-old boys uncomfortable? Nine-year-old boys uncomfortable? You're weird. You started by saying men are guilty. You don't know them. What are they guilty of? Feminism is trash. Liberal women, I'll tell you what. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So the Colts have a very simple mandate. Win and in which would have been a lot easier if they could have beaten the Falcons. Don't even ask me what happened there. I go on vacation. This team falls apart. But they're able to pull it out last week. Meanwhile, the Pacers, on a streak fifth in the standings, they're in the Eastern Conference. But is it all aberration? Tony Katz, good to be with you, Tony Katz. Today, JMV joins us. He's the voice of sports in Indiana. Let's talk about those Pacers. The win against the Bucks, 142-130, just yesterday. They have got Milwaukee's number. That much is for sure, which is good because Milwaukee is second uh, in, in, in the East. They're on a two-game losing streak. The Pacers on a five-game winning streak. Uh, they figure out their problems, or has it just been a nice run, but not necessarily an answer to everything? Well, Tony, since you did go on vacation, they made adjustments. Rick Carlisle adjusted the starting lineup and uh, made it bigger, put uh, Jalen Smith in there. And I, I don't know if that is the direct reason as to why they're on a five-game win streak or as to why they've they've maintained this ownership in the losing one, I think in five games this year against Milwaukee so far. I don't know if that is the direct reason, but certainly it's relatable here. Uh, there's a big reason that has worked out for them. And, you know, there may have been a little bit of a haze coming out of that because you see the Lakers are still in it right now. I mean, the Lakers are either at 500, maybe even below 500 right now. And, trailing things out west after winning that in-season tournament. So there may have been some heavy legs after that, but we have witnessed in the last five this Pacer team kind of get out of that haze and, and play well. And whether it's because it's Rick Carlisle's change with the starting lineup or you know, just the fact that they this is, this is who they are right now. Their defense is a lot better. That's something you and I have maintained had to get better. It does look better. It more matches up with their offense, makes them even more dangerous. So certainly in the last five games, it looks like this group is turning it around, and they certainly have had ownership against Milwaukee so far this season in that season series, which is now over. So impressive to say the least. Yeah, uh, and, and so you're taking a look at some of this movement that is taking yeah. place in, in, in a starting lineup. Does, does changes like that to starters, does it change the psyche of a team? Because if you're a guy who's been pulled out of a starting lineup, that can have an effect on you, especially when you see a five-game win streak and you're like, oh, wait, I'm the reason we were losing. Does it, does it enable a team to, or, or is it more detrimental uh, in, in a short run? Maybe, maybe the question is, it, maybe the answer is it doesn't matter. Uh, wins are wins. But how, does, how is this team adjusted is the better question. Good question, Tony. And, and there's one example I can give you is Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin slid out of the starting lineup. Jalen Smith goes in. Obi Toppin doesn't hang your head. You get that oftentimes. It's a good point you make. These guys, there's an ego to this. They like getting introduced in the opening lineup. They like running out, doing all that. But, you know, you have to have the right type of team-first ego 
to be able to withstand that. And Obi Toppin, to me, he may not as of yet have hit to where exactly Pacer folks have hoped. I, I think he has been really good for this team, and I think we have seen that since they made that adjustment in the starting lineup. He, in fact, has been better coming off the bench. He had a career high in rebounds with 12 this past week, and he just is a guy that is team first. Rick Carlisle pointed that out after the win last night over the Bucks that yeah, he's just a guy that you want around your team because he is team first. You can tell he is invested in this team and this group. And when you have guys that act like that, behave like that professionally, then you got something. And I think this is what Rick Carlisle has done, and he's adjusted that starting lineup. You know, again, made it bigger, put Jalen Smith in there, and Obi, Obi Toppin coming off the bench has been fantastic. So, yeah, normally that can have an ill effect with this Pacer team. Since he's pulled that trigger, it has been very good. Talking to JMV, he's the voice of sports in Indiana. Let's keep it uh, on, on Hoosiers, and specifically the Indiana Hoosiers over there at IU. <laughs> They're ten and four overall, two and one in the conference. Uh, the Boilermakers are thirteen and one. They're still the number one team uh, in in the in the NCAA. Uh, talk to me about both these teams. And what they have coming forward. Um, Hawaii stinks. Uh, we saw that last night in Nebraska. I, I mean, really, you would expect some sort of run in the second half. They were down double digits, and uh, it never came. A lot of people are going to suggest, well, they're young, and they're going to learn this and learn that. That was just an overall horrible effort from start to finish. And that goes well beyond guards or three-point making or whatever. Uh, it's everything that's wrong right now. And unfortunately... I think a lot of IU fans, Tony, felt that that could be the outcome of that game in Nebraska going in to last night. So, yeah, that's not good for the tone of the program whatsoever under Mike Woodson. So Mike Woodson is starting to feel the heat from IU fans who think, well, maybe he's not the guy. So you turn the page to Purdue. Purdue on Tuesday night, they just had a professional win. They go in to Maryland. Maryland's a tough place to play. I think they had a win streak on their home floor in College Park. And then it wasn't anything spectacular. Zach Eady had his normal double-double, and they come away with a win in a tough place. And they're going to have that target on their back as the number one team, and certainly the top team in the Big Ten throughout the year. And I just love the way that they went about it in a professional fashion on Tuesday. Went over there, got a win, coming back home when you prep for a top ten team in Illinois coming in on Friday night. So, yeah, it, you could not be further apart as far as the divide between what IU is right now and what Purdue is right now. From top to bottom in every aspect, it is not even close to the same. And IU fans are bummed. And Boilermaker fans, it's weird, Tony. Boilermaker fans really aren't going to soak anything up until the NCAA tournament because that's where their their issues have been in the past. But I would advise them, this is a special group to watch no matter what time of year we're talking about. And uh, they're fun, and they maintain. They should be a one seed and then put themselves in a great position coming up in March. But it's a tale of two teams for IU and Purdue this past week, and we saw it both Tuesday and Wednesday nights. We go from college back to the pros, but to football. Watching this Colts team, is um, an exercise in futility. Certainly, you need heart medication nearby. 
This yeah. loss to the Falcons was beyond embarrassing. And to only squeak out a win against the Raiders, I'm not arguing uh, that that a win is a win. I'm arguing that they should have wrapped this up considering the fact that the Jaguars don't have Trevor Lawrence. And considering that the Texans had, had uh, the, the loss as well, you're now in a win-or-die situation. Luckily at Lucas Oil on Saturday night, 8-15 is kickoff. But this team has not proven that they're playoff ready. They're not. They have. They're nowhere near to proving that they're playoff ready. Uh, flashes of of really good stuff. Absolutely. Explain this Falcons game. Explain this Raiders game. Lead me into this game against the Texans. The the Colts are not consistently that good. They're a middling team. That's what they are, and they are taking advantage of this soft schedule. And some people, Tony, will tell you this. They'll say, you know what, this season, because there's no Anthony Richardson, it's your number one for Shane Steichen, and all these different situations will try to tell you that they're playing with house money. And you know what, the fact that they go into this final regular season weekend with a chance of the home win to go to the postseason, they'll call it gravy. <clears throat> or, you know, playing with house money, as I mentioned. Tony, it's not that. All right, we have been massively disappointed in the past. We have seen just the year before last a similar situation, a win and you're in, and they don't, and they get bounced. So to me, I, I have expectations. I do have expectations, but I also have an understanding and I think a reasonable thought of what this team is. It's not that good. It's not that bad. It has put itself in a situation with a win to go into the postseason and I put expectations on them getting that win coming up on Saturday. But I'll give you the reason why I explain it as a roller coaster ride. You bring up before you went on vacation, they go to Atlanta. They're coming off arguably their best half of football against Pittsburgh in that second half we have seen in ages. Just a dominance, a bully type of football that Pittsburgh had played against them so many times prior. And that's what they did to the Steelers. And then you go to Atlanta on Christmas Eve and you're completely opposite. That offensive line that was dominant was non-existent and got pushed around. The defensive line that was dominant, non-existent and got pushed around. That is a sign of a team that is good to decent and can be bad. It's been a roller coaster ride, and you just have to hope that this team on Saturday night is ready. And I'm going to talk about how they need to be ready here. Again, you go to not turning over the football. Don't give that away. And you go with getting after C.J. Stroud. This Texans team comes in, Tony. They're banged up. You look at their injury report, they're going to have guys play that did not practice, for example, yesterday, important guys, offensive line guys. But again, they're going to be missing a lot. This is an opportunity that the Colts absolutely have to take advantage of. So roller coaster ride, good or bad, indifferent, whatever. You have to take advantage of this in this environment on Saturday night. If they don't, we're going to line them up regardless of the soft schedule or the lack of expectations this year coming up on Monday. But it's like a box of chocolates, as Forrest Gump said. You just don't know what this group, week in and week out, what you're going to get. And I think some people feel that way about Saturday night. Part of looking at when you look at these two games, the, the, the Falcons and then the Raiders, let me give you a, a bit of where this is both offense and defense in, in my view, and the answer is running game. You take a look at the running game of the Colts against the Falcons. Uh, they had uh, 61 yards, not including uh, anything by, by the quarterback. You take a look 
at uh, the Falcons, uh, I can't count that high. It was 167 yards. It was 167 yeah. yards on the ground. That was the game against the Falcons. You take a look at the game against the Raiders, and you realize that the Ra- the Vegas uh, the the Raiders only had 84 yards on the ground, yet. The Colts, excluding Gardner Minshew, had 131. Jonathan Taylor was 21 carries for 96 yards. There's correlation to be made here on offense and defense regarding running game. Why is it we can run so well one week and so poorly the next week? And why is it that this defense can handle the run so well one week and so poorly the next week? Well, because they're up and down. And again, that kind of goes back to what I was talking about with this team. You can't count on them to consistently be good or consistently, Tony, for what you're saying, be at what we saw last week or be at what we saw a couple of weeks prior against the Steelers. They are going to have that pitfall again because they're not that good. They're just kind of a middling team that great. They find themselves in a situation on Saturday, which is great for everybody. I mean, downtown is absolutely going to be electric with them playing and the Pacers playing at the same time, but they're just not good enough to control things entirely. And that's what you have to guard against coming up on Saturday. You brought up Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's 5-0 in his history against the Houston Texans. However, when it really matters, you go back to week number three when they beat Houston down in Houston back in September. Remember, Tony, he wasn't a part of that. That was Zach Moss. Zach Moss, I think, had 88 yards on the ground. And Anthony Richardson had a hand in as the starting quarterback, getting him off to a good start. And Gardner Minshew came in when Richardson went out with that that head injury and came in and maintained and helped them get that win. So there's not a lot of relatables that you can go back to in week number three and compare it to the Saturday night game against the Texans. What it has to come down to is this team, and I, I know this sounds really lame, but they're going to have to want it more. They're going to have to execute better. I mean, you're just going to have to, in your own building, this is what you should dream of if you're a Colts player going into this year because everybody, including myself, counted you out. You're going to be a bad team. You're going to win four games. And then you find yourself on a doorstep controlling your own destiny with a win. If you let that slip through your fingers, then to me that is an egregious disappointment. So you have to be able to do and control what you can. Being able to run the football is one, Tony, as you bring up. Offensive line is going to play well, which I think it will. And then I think the defensive line is going to have to harass C.J. Stroud. Those are two of the controllables that a team that's not that great, not that bad, it's a team and things they can control, and we'll see if they can on Saturday. And we're talking about winning the the, the possibility of winning the, the division here. Yeah, yeah. And, and Tony, you're right. I mean, you said that you win this game on Saturday night. You sit back and you watch what happens around you. All that screws up or goes right around you on Sunday. There should be no better experience for an NFL player after a win on Saturday. Who knows? I mean, maybe you end up getting a a home game, you know, as the division winner. Who would have thought that? And, And you bring up a great point earlier. How many games have they screwed over? I mean, the Cleveland game, the Rams game. Oh, I can go I mean, through every single one. In, in every Atlanta single game. one, will drive you crazy. Absolute yeah. heart medicine time. Uh, Zach Moss, really quick, is yeah. are we going to see him? I mean, I know he practiced uh, Wednesday. Um, I would expect – I mean, I thought maybe you would see him last week and all of a sudden he was out. But um, I would expect, yes, we'll find out probably concretely tomorrow at some point, maybe even later on today. But I would expect, yes. Uh, Trey Sermon, by the way, Tony, has been good 
mm-hmm. since Moss has gone down. So that is a good thing, too. But let me tell you, this is going to be shouldering the load. This is a Jonathan Taylor game. This is why you sign him. This is why you give him that, money, that amount of money at running back and believe in him. This should be his game on Saturday night. If it is, he'll be in the crosshairs, and I'm sure of our conversation coming up on Monday as well. But this should be about him. They should be able to ride he and that offense, offensive line, I should say, coming up on Saturday against the Texans. I like Trey Sermon, and I like Jonathan Taylor. When yeah. you've got that little outlet pass, uh, you know, something for uh, Gardner Minshew uh, to dump into and give them a- an-, an opportunity, I wouldn't mind a little bit more pulling guard action and, and seeing a bit of that. JMV is the voice of sports in Indiana, 93.5, 107.5. The fan, always appreciate you. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. According to ADP, they've added jobs in December. According to me, I don't listen to anything ADP has to say about jobs. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find it all at TonyKatz.com. Would love it if you were a part of what we're doing over there. Uh, They say uh, leisure and hospitality leading the way. The problem here is that they're always wrong. I mean, this in 2023, they were wrong constantly. Constantly. So I think we wait. Uh, until uh, the the jobs numbers actually come out. I think we wait until we see what the Bureau of Labor Statistics has to say. But these jobs, I don't think tell the story. The story, as as we've discussed and and, uh, we'll be discussing more, is that the Fed did not raise interest rates at their last meeting in December. They signaled that there would be three rate cuts coming in 2024 the markets went nutty and hey my 401k appreciates it but when you take a look at the notes they have no idea what they're saying they have no idea if the rates are actually going to come down and if inflation has been halted they're just saying it so keep your powder dry children this is tony katz today Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. We are going to win. No doubt about it. Turn off your TV. These political pundits are trying to tell you what to do. And we've been on the ground. And all the political pundits are going to have egg on their face when they're done with it. Doesn't sound like the crowd is really cheering you on there, Ambassador Haley. But maybe it's just a subdued crowd. You had some big crowds. This cannot be understated. When you take a look at at the data, when you take a look at the polling in in New Hampshire, you're you're just absolutely crushing it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you, good to be back. The Real Clear Politics Average 
has uh, Trump at 46 and Haley at 24. Christie at 10. DeSantis at nine and a half. DeSantis at fourth place in New Hampshire. And, of course, the question of whether or not Christie is going to get out of the race. And, and he, was on with, he was on with Hugh Hewitt. And he was like, so you're getting out of this race? And Chris Christie's like, what are you talking about? And he was like, are, are you going to be leaving the race? And Chris Christie's all like, I'm heading to New Hampshire, aren't I? I'm going to go speak to this crowd, aren't I? That's not the, what, what are you doing, Chris Christie? You should be running for Senate to take Bob Menendez's seat. You'd actually get support. But if you want to defeat Trump, you, wouldn't the best bet be for you to get out so the 10 and a half that you have in New Hampshire would go to Haley? Because those people are going to be Haley people. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't think they're DeSantis people. The latest poll was St. Anselm, which had Trump 44 and Haley 30, Christie 12, DeSantis 6. That's, that's good for her to be able to talk about this, this upswing. It's not true everywhere, of course. When you take a look at Iowa, the latest poll, which was uh, Fox Business, had uh, Trump 52, DeSantis 18, Haley 16, which is a little bit of a change because um, uh, Haley had been building up and in the last couple of polls have been doing pretty well against uh, Ron DeSantis. But one wonders whether or not the slavery comment Remember, she was asked about the Civil War, and she, she didn't say slavery. What was the cause of the Civil War? And she, she was asked about it, and she, she, she didn't answer slavery. What was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. That's the wrong answer. And as I have discussed, Nikki Haley freezes. And she did there. She freezes. Because she's trying to figure out how to answer the question for us as opposed to answering the question and then letting us make a decision. It's very politician. And it's it's very problematic as as I see it. It is with this in mind, and as, as I've discussed, this freezing, that when you go to the debate that is taking place on January 10th and you realize that the debate is between DeSantis and Haley only. Trump won't be there. No, no, no. He's going to counter-program with a town hall on Fox with Brett Baer and Martha McCallum. Vivek Ramaswamy, not on the debate stage. He's like, blank you, CNN. I'm going to go counter-program. I'm going to go. I think he's doing TimCast. He's doing it with Tim Pool. Which I don't know. I don't, I don't know if, if I mean, Tim's popular. I just don't know if he's as popular as he, he, he used to be. I do, I'm not sure. Go go get him. Do, do, do TimCast. Fine by me. So you are left with, in this debate, DeSantis and, and Haley. Now, a couple of things to note here. Uh, uh, first, Trump's going to get an audience. That much is true. But... The people watching the DeSantis-Haley debate, it's not New Hampshire people. This is all for Iowa. 
that the ratings might be higher for Trump on Fox will be meaningless to whether or not DeSantis and Haley are actually engaged in a conversation that makes people make a decision. Remember who your who your who your audience is. Uh, I think that this this debate is an unbelievable opportunity uh, for DeSantis, who has proven himself to be better at the debate things. And I think it's an unbelievable danger for Nikki Haley. Now you say to me, Tony, it's Nikki Haley who has been fantastic in the debates. Nikki Haley is fantastic in the debates when she's calling Vivek Ramaswamy a jerk. And when he is being so over the top that she almost looks sympathetic. DeSantis is a different conversation. A much different conversation. DeSantis needs Iowa because he isn't going to get New Hampshire. He needs some level of catapult to South Carolina. And he needs to be able to show, look, look what I can do against Trump. Look how they counted me out, et cetera. Remember, he's been counted out. And I've discussed this, and I cannot believe the people who want to tell me, oh, he's run a fine campaign. The people saying he's run a bad campaign are just Trump supporters. You're being silly. Stop talking with your mouth and your face and your whatnot. It's been a bad campaign, folks. The Never Back Down uh, team, uh, the Super PAC, $200 million. Where the hell did it go? You canceled $2.5 million worth of ad spend a month before the Iowa caucus and the New Hampshire primary. Things are not good, kitten. They're not good. By the way, DeSantis stands in third place in South Carolina at 11.2%. Haley is at 19.6%. Now, the latest poll is Trafalgar. That was from early December. Had Trump 49, Haley 23, DeSantis 14. And it certainly showed an up for uh, Haley and for DeSantis. And this is, of course, now uh, having to deal with the fact that Tim Scott got out of the, the, the race there. Remember, the senator from South Carolina. DeSantis wants this debate with, with Haley more than oxygen. To give himself a chance to show some distance, to, to make some distance, and to get some some last minute people to say, you know what, I'm going to caucus for him. He he may have that weirdo smile. He may be a wooden dude, but man, I just need policy, and I just want to be left alone. And he doesn't have a personality, and I don't care. And I know I'm talking about me, but I might be talking about some voters in Iowa. I think it's a great opportunity for for DeSantis. I think this is. Very, very rough for Nikki Haley because of this freezing thing. And if DeSantis's team was smart, they wouldn't have seven, but they'd have two well-placed moments of, answer this question, Nikki, boom, and watch her freeze because she freezes. The other side of this can be seen as the expectation games a game politics is all expectations does somebody exceed the expectation or do they underperform the expectation so if 
you set the expectation that Nikki Haley is going to get her butt kicked in a debate and she doesn't, she exceeds expectations and that creates a massive amount of momentum. That creates opportunity. So there is an opportunity in this. But let's go back to something I said earlier and make sure that my 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 thesis is accurate. This debate is for the people of Iowa, even if Trump gets more viewers. I want to say that I'm still holding to that. I believe that holds true. That it it, it is it is clear to me that Trump appearing on Fox doesn't move the needle for people who are undecided. They're, 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 they're not. They don't know if they're going to do DeSantis. They don't know if they're going to do Haley. They don't know uh, how it's going to play out. But they may have made a, the decision that they're not going to do Trump. And Trump doing his own town hall, I don't think stops them from viewing uh, a, a debate between Haley and and DeSantis because you have a chance for real fireworks. You have a chance to get real answers. You have less uh, uh, um, hostility, if you will, from from Ramaswamy. You don't have Chris Christie's uh, singular answers on Trump, which he doesn't even give enough of. You have an opportunity there, and I think it's actually a little bit exciting for people to the extent that neither either DeSantis or or Haley could be exciting. I'm going to stick with what I just said. I don't think the counter-programming from Fox on Trump will do enough to keep people from watching this debate in Iowa. Now, are they going to be watching in New Hampshire? I don't know. South Carolina? Maybe. Maybe. If I'm Trump on Fox, all I'm doing is trying to remind people that I'm there which is weird because he's ahead by massive numbers. People know that he's there. As a matter of fact, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd play because it, how is every question not going to be, well, why won't you admit you did this? Well, why won't you admit you did that? Well, why won't you admit you did the other? Well, what about this? It, 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 you're indicted here, indicted there, indicted this, indicted your mother, indicted... In, and I, I'm not quite sure where the win is for him. For Vivek to do something, well, that makes total sense. Go counter-program and, and, and best of luck. But if I'm taking a look at these three things as my options, I'm watching the debate. Iowa is interesting in that the numbers state quite clearly that this is Trump's to lose. And I don't yet have a reason why I would think that he would lose it. As I've argued, the conversation here is whether polling translates to actual people showing up to a caucus and waiting through it. Because a caucus is not easy. You get there and... and, and, uh, you're, you're uh, what, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? You're, you're, you're standing there, you're, you're moving around, you're trying to convince people uh, to vote for your guy and, and, and you have a vote and then you have another round and you reduce the number of, of candidates people are supporting and eventually you get to, uh, to a winner. 
I don't deny the numbers Trump puts up. I have questioned from the beginning whether or not his people actually turn out for the ground game actually showing up for the caucuses. From the people that I have spoken to, there is reason to believe that his people will be there. And from people I've spoken to, I have heard the opposite. I don't have a good feel as to whether or not his people show up. I want to be clear. That is, I am not saying that they won't. I'm saying I don't know. It's exactly why I I have over the past months, I'm waiting. You want me to believe the numbers? Show me Iowa. Because if you show me Iowa, then I'll believe New Hampshire, and then I'll believe South Carolina. These primary states, it's a lot easier to believe. You go in and you go click. You go in and you and, and, and you make your vote, and then you, you go out, you go out for ice cream. I don't know what you do. You're done. Caulk is an all-day affair. It's very, very different. DeSantis needs this debate to poll. If I take a look at the last Fox Business poll in Iowa, Trump 52, DeSantis 18, Haley 16. And you take a look at the, at the average, Trump 51, DeSantis 18, almost 19, and uh, Haley 16. He would need he he would need to pull some separation. Remember, the Ramaswamy voter isn't voting for DeSantis or Haley. The Ramaswamy voter is voting for Trump. The Christie voter is going to vote for Haley. And did you know that Asa Hutchinson is still in this race? That's a true story. Still in this race. Shocking but true. DeSantis needs the debate to be able to grab some of those Haley voters if he can actually really do that much better and she actually does freeze up. So again, this debate for DeSantis matters quite, quite a bit. While I think Haley has got the bigger problem, we shouldn't deny the pressure that Ron DeSantis may be under or puts upon himself to having a good moment. We are days away from the caucus and I'm still in the same place. Show me. Once you show me, all right, I've been shown, that's the ball game. Trump takes it by, what, what is he ahead by, 34 points? He ta- at 32, 34 points, he takes it by 30 points, it's game over. He takes it by 17 points, it's also uh, game over. But Trump doesn't win anything from this uh, Fox town hall. He doesn't. He, he, he just doesn't. There's nothing to win. There's only ways to get hurt. I, I wouldn't advise that he does it. I wouldn't have done it. Vivek has nothing to lose by doing Tim Cast. And DeSantis has to show a very solid second to get himself to South Carolina. And Haley just has to show in order to get to New Hampshire where she would need the win. Oh, we should get into that. So that's with the debates, that's with the town halls, that's with the specials. Uh, uh, You decide your viewing habits. I don't get to decide for you. This is Tony Katz today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. My support of the Second Amendment goes without question. The Second Amendment remains, and so it should. 
the right to keep and bear arms, the right to protect and defend oneself remains. And because sometimes horrible things happen or people do horrible things is not a reason for any American to lose their rights. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. That's where it is. It's not a reason. And I'm not going to be a guy who sits idly by while people say someone did something awful. We have to prevent them from having their rights. That's absolutely not what we have to do. Let me give you an example of my Second Amendment support. And now, another Second Amendment success story. You don't say you're sorry when you shoot someone. On Tony Catch Today. The story over at WIBC.com. There was a homeowner. And a man was trying to break into his home. The suspect and the homeowner ended up in a shooting match. Meaning the suspect, the guy who broke into the home, shot at the homeowner, the guy who owns the house. The homeowner, because he was armed, shot back. The suspect was killed. Now, a Second Amendment success story does not have to involve anybody dying, and I would rather nobody died. I also would rather nobody tried to break into this guy's house. The homeowner was detained at the scene, but the uh, Indianapolis, so the Marion County Prosecutor's Office, declined to file charges. In the world of the gun grabber, they would rather that the homeowner were a victim. The homeowner gets to have their home and gets to be alive because they were armed. To the gun grabber, they would feel better It would somehow be better if indeed the homeowner was killed. That's exactly what they're saying. It's exactly what the gun grabber means. What else could they possibly mean? So the success here is that this homeowner utilized their Second Amendment rights, was prepared. I only hope they were trained and they just didn't get lucky. I mean, you'll take what you can get, but get trained. Buy guns, buy ammo, get trained. And then... They were able to protect themselves. How could anybody be opposed to this? How could any rational person be opposed to self-protection? It boggles the mind. But they're out there. And they need to be fought. Because what they want to do is take away your right to go home alive or stay home alive. Just one of the many reasons that I always support the Second Amendment. And you should too. This is Tony Katz Today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. said it once we've said it many times we will not stop the border is the biggest story in america all things that we discuss when it comes to economics when it comes to safety these things are border conversations and as we're seeing uh 
people being moved across the country because the people coming in are not coming to Texas. They're coming to America. And you've got mayors like Eric Adams in New York, just apoplectic. Mayors like Brandon Johnson in Chicago, absolutely apoplectic that they're getting all these people. The mayor of New York says, we won't accept buses. Sign some executive orders. So Governor Greg Abbott is sending people to Jersey City right next to a, uh, a subway line where they can get to New York. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. The problem is you don't have enough people going to the border to see the problem, and certainly that's the case of the administration. Speaker Mike Johnson went to the border, brought a Codell, and brought with him Erin Houchin, Congresswoman from the 9th District of Indiana. She joins us right now uh, in San Antonio, uh, spent time at the border over the last uh, 36 hours. Talk to me, uh, Congresswoman, about where you were at and what uh, the purpose of this visit was. Hey, thanks, Tony. Thanks for shining a light on this issue. We're going to keep doing that, you know, no matter how many visits to the border it takes. Um, we visited a processing center in Eagle Pass, spoke to Border Patrol agents there, heard some things that were just shocking, quite frankly, about who's being led into the country. Somebody can show up at the processing center and just give a name and get an ID and a alien registration number and be sent on their way. Uh, people on the terror watch list are showing up voluntarily to these processing centers. We suspect probably to gain intelligence on how the process works and where those loopholes are. Um, you know, we hear these mayors talking about um, all the migrant buses that are being shipped from Texas to their states. But Texas, according to Border Patrol agents that we spoke to, has only sent 20% of those to those areas. People are coming into the country. They're reporting to NGOs. Uh, those NGOs and the Biden administration are sending people where they want to go, and they want to go to sanctuary cities. So if those cities don't want to have the migrants, then maybe they should reconsider being sanctuary cities. Uh, we were there, 60 of us, standing on the bank in Eagle Pass while 20 or so military-aged young single adult males crossed the river and went through the barbed wire to be processed. Those people will be in the interior of the United States within a couple of weeks. It's shocking. It's catastrophic. It has to stop. You bring up something that we discuss here, and, and I always get the feeling that when I discuss it, people think that somehow I'm engaged in some level of a front. Why, why does this matter? The ideal of single adult able-bodied males, that being an issue that we let them into the country. You brought it up specifically right there. Give your reasons. Well, we don't know what their intentions are. Um, we've been told by Border Patrol agents that these uh, individuals that are trafficked into the United States, and they are trafficked here by the cartels, they are um, on the, um, under the watch uh, and control of the cartels uh, for 8 to 13 years until they can buy their freedom. Now, those are people in America, and some of them are engaged in human trafficking. Some are engaged in drug trafficking. We know this. Uh, but they're in America basically as, as slaves and to the cartels. Uh, the only people benefiting from the open border are the Mexican drug cartels. They're, they're profiting $32 million a week in just the Del Rio sector. Uh, it's costing American taxpayers at one of the processing centers we visited, according to Border Patrol agents, $25 million a month. Um, it's unsustainable. Um, Secretary Mayorkas has failed in his responsibility. The main mission of the uh, Department of Homeland Security is to protect the United States from our greatest threats. Yet we're letting millions of people, 8 million under the Biden administration, a million more people than the entire state of Indiana, 
into the United States without really any vetting whatsoever. Talking to Congresswoman Erin Houchin of the 9th District of Indiana, you can find her, Houchin, H-O-U-C-H-I-N, houchin.house.gov. You bring up Secretary Mayorkas, who will not answer the question as to whether or not there will be an end to catch and and release uh there are a series of policy conversations that have to be had you had congressman jim jordan who i think was with you on the codell saying that we need to return to the policies that work in your estimation congresswoman what are the policies that work and why well when my first visit tony and i spoke to you after that that was like a little over a year ago um you know the border patrol agents were asking for trump era policies but these aren't unique to Trump. I mean, these were um, some of these were dated back to Democrat presidents. It, it's a Biden problem. It's a Mayorkas problem. So ending catch and release um, in reinstalling the remain in Mexico um, uh, proposal. And then in asylum seekers, they're supposed to stay in the next safest country that they have stopped in on their way you know, to the asylum, not traverse all the way to the United States. And so there are many policies that are in HR2 uh, that we passed seven months ago that the bill is sitting in the Senate. Uh, Senate Democrats are in control. The president could call for it to be called up and passed, and we would we would be able to solve this problem quickly uh, by restoring those policies. No more money for processing um, illegal migrants uh, until the border is secure. They closed the border recently they closed ports of entry, uh, yet some of my colleagues showed me video in Arizona of people just walking across the border at the closed port of entry. So the border is wide open. Uh, border Patrol agents are basically processing migrants and not, you know, able to act in the security of the United States. That's why Mayorkas, the impeachment is moving forward. Uh, something's got to give, and the American people deserve to have a secure southern border. They do not have it under the Biden administration. When you were on the show talking about the border uh, a while ago, you said something that I, I, I took issue with, and, and I still do. But after visiting the border, it's easier to understand what it is you were referring to. You were discussing the fact that we don't have the technology at the border that is necessary. And I said, I said on this show, wait a second, Congresswoman, that is absolutely not true. Of course we have the technology. The issue is that we're not willing to pay for the technology. And our our needs at the border aren't all people needs. They are indeed aggressive technology needs to help us better allocate the people. In the past year, as you've been discussing this, has there been any move in Congress about getting Border Patrol the technology they need in order to do their job properly? Absolutely, Tony. It's in HR, too. Um, it just the Senate will not do it and the president will not do it. Uh, it is within his capabilities to uh, to take some of these actions. For instance, um, you know, I mentioned that the cartels have over 400 drones in the air and we have seven. Right. They're monitoring every move of Border Patrol agents as they are in practice. That's why they move mi- migrants in large groups. So Border Patrol has to respond and then they can smuggle in their illicit activity. But. There are balloons that had historically been on the border so that at least, you know, video of, of migrants crossing illegally outside of the ports of entry could be tracked. And you'd know how many gotaways we actually had to a, to a certain degree. 
they used to have two of those balloons uh, in operation. And in the last six months, the Biden administration has cut funding for that. So now there are no balloons in the air uh, tracking this activity uh, when they really don't just need two for the Del Rio sector alone. They need six. So we're calling on the president, calling on the Senate. We're, we're standing firm. The people of South Texas asked us while we were there. They said, uh, shut the government down. Uh, it is that important. They want us to hold the line until they get border security, until the United States is and there's the southern border is secure. Uh, it is a desperate situation. It is as bad as I could I can I can describe. And um, the Biden administration is sitting on their hands. All they're doing is gaslighting the American people, blaming House Republicans when they have the solution sitting in the Senate right now. Talking to Congresswoman Erin Houchin of the 9th District of Indiana. But it was last week where we saw the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, go to Mexico to meet with uh, AMLO, President Obrador. Uh, And it seemed very much like it was the United States begging Mexico to do something about the flow, which they're not doing anything about. As a matter of fact, it was Mexico that said, you should be more open in in your border. Is Mexico a partner or is Mexico the problem? Well, I will say this, Tony, To to based on the conversations that I had in the last 36 hours with Border Patrol, there was a lull in activity um, since the trains were stopped. So the Mexican government and in coordination with Border Patrol and our uh, rail lines, they stopped those trains from entering uh, because they were full of migrants. Um, and so that did cause a, a disruption, I guess, in activity and in flow. But in the last two weeks at the Del Rio sector, this one processing center, they were seeing 2,400 migrants a day. Um, what's interesting is that the cartels, we believe, cut off um, activity in advance of our visit uh, because the best moneymaker for the cartels is an open border, uh, southern border of the United States. And if there's a huge problem when 60 members of Congress show up to see it, uh, it's more likely that action will be readily demanded. Now, we're demanding it, but the cartels clearly know that if we saw the real problem for what it truly is, uh, there would be a tremendous likely bipartisan push to secure the border and that's bad for business you take a look at the last four decembers this is bill malugin over at fox news reporting it in december of 2020 it was 73,994 encounters at the southern border in 2021 joe biden 179,000 december of 2022 252,000 in december of 2023 over 302,000 encounters. When the Biden administration says uh, that the border is secure, when Secretary Mayorka speaks in front of House and Senate committees and says that the border is secure, when Corinne Jean-Pierre says the border is secure, you already referred to it as gaslighting. Does that do anything just saying that it's gaslighting? Well, I mean, we've been we've been asking for action. I think where we're going to have to end up is it is going to have to come to shove. Um, They're asking for more money, but they're asking for when they're saying Republicans aren't giving it to them. They're asking for more money for processing, processing migrants, not border security. They're asking for more money to get more people here. Uh, You know, before, Tony, I said it's either it's either deliberate or incompetent. 
I believe it's deliberate. I think that they truly want to have as many uh, migrants as possible. They think it's going to change elections in the future. Uh, it's terrifying. It's against um, it, it's it's unconstitutional. It's against uh, you know everything that we believe in in terms of uh, migration to the United States. There's no security. We have no ability to vet people from most other countries. Some we have uh, you know agreements with where we can vet these people. But it is, uh, it's really a scary situation, and we're going to have to stand firm, and that may come down to the funding. Why would we fund a, continue to fund a broken process? Uh, more money is not the issue. It is in instituting the policies in HR2. Congresswoman Erin Houchin, houchin.house.gov, from the 9th District of Indiana. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More is coming up. I'm Tony Cap. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Well, I'm deeply disturbed by Harvard's official statement as well as Claudine Gay's letter of resignation and her, her op-ed piece. Nowhere does she take responsibility for the abuse, for the, um, the, the plagiarizing other people's work, and the fact that by objective standards, she has violated one of the core norms of academic integrity. That is the truth. That's uh, Dr. Carol Swain who was, uh, her work was plagiarized. Her work was taken by the former president of Harvard, Claudine Gay. And Claudine Gay doesn't even have the decency to apologize. Instead, what you get from Claudine Gay is an op-ed in the New York Times that says the problem here is an attack on education and expertise. And she made the mistake of falling into, uh, I can't make this up, made the mistake of falling into, quote, a well-laid trap before Congress. It's a trap. It's not a trap. You're okay with Jew hatred on your campus. You're also a liar and a fraud. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It can't be said enough. She's a plagiarist. She's a fraud. And she's fine with Jew hatred on her campus. But I think the bigger story, to the extent that there's a bigger story, is all of the people who are absolutely positively fine with her lies, with her deceit, with how disgusting she is. They're totally down with it. And in order to explain it well... You had Jesse Waters over there at, at the Fox News channel. Uh, he, he put this together. All those lefties saying that Claudine Gay, she didn't do anything wrong. And of course, liberal pundits are going to bat for Gay. Listen. What happened to Claudine Gay was mob pressure. There is this sort of open war on 
black progress, black history. Um, Claudine Gay, the president uh, of Harvard University, at least up until she resigned, um, is now the latest casualty of that. There very much is a racial uh, component. I don't think it's fair to say all of her critics were racist, but certainly a few of them were. It looks as though she was targeted. The fact that she's a black woman and the first person uh, who is a, a black American to lead Harvard uh, only added to their thirst to dethrone her. She's a fraud. Why doesn't that matter to the left? And the answer is because that's not the part that matters. What matters in the world of DEI, which is, of course, bigotry, is that she's got the right ideology. How she gets to the position is meaningless. What's important is that she has the position. The merits conversation doesn't exist. And remember, Dr. Carol Swain, who you heard from earlier, is a black woman. A black woman, Claudine Gay, stole from a black woman, Carol Swain. Why is that okay? Because it doesn't matter. Because to them, Carol Swain, who is uh, on the political right, she doesn't even count. I'm willing to bet you they don't even regard her as a woman. What matters is you have the right ideology. That right, right ideology being a Marxist ideology, you favor the destruction of the systems, and as long as we can exalt you, we will. It gets much deeper than this, as we've discussed, and we're not going to stop. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.